0: Well, from that little ditty that Chuck just read, Mark says they were astonished by his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. We're now in the middle of the season of Epiphany, right between Christmas and Lent, and the word Epiphany means to be touched, to be made manifest. Oftentimes, we speak of being deeply touched or being out of touch. And the Epiphany season calls us to reflect on how we've been touched by the presence of God manifested in Jesus and through his teachings with authority. In this particular case, there are two kinds of authority one that comes when an office, a judge, a priest, A president has the authority because by law or by the community's giving of the authority, they have in their role the ability to influence, to cause, to happen. But there's another kind of authority, and that's innate, an inside type of authority. The gospel today tells us that Jesus spoke with authority, The Old Testament reading that we heard refers to the prophets, people almost exclusively without office, not people of high rank, not priests or judges. They were farmers or laborers in the vineyards, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them to enable them to speak with authority, and the people listened to them. As Jesus Jesus begins to teach in the synagogue, the people were amazed as he spoke with authority. And yet he didn't hold any authority as a member of the Sanhedrin or a judge or a priest. But still he speaks as someone who knows the truth, the truth about them. When Jesus saw a person, he really saw the person. He was aware of who they were. Sometimes he knew them better than they knew themselves. So Jesus had authority not because of any office he held or any degrees he'd been given. His sense of authority was unique. For 2,000 years, Christians have come to understand that this authority in the person of Jesus is uniquely powerful because it is related to God. As St. Paul once wrote, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Remember the centurion at the time of the crucifixion, who probably had never met Jesus before? He was so filled with awe at his dying that he said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And Thomas, who, like so many of us, couldn't believe without strong evidence the wounds in the side of Jesus. Only when he's able to touch the manifestation of God's presence, he says, My Lord and my God. As did Thomas, we too come to see that Jesus' authority is rooted in his relationship with God the creator. So the question for us is how do we relate this understanding of Jesus as speaking with authority to our daily lives? Because you see, each one of us has some innate authority. We all have influence on our families, our friends, neighbors, but how do we use our authority How do we live under authority? What authorities influence us? Some authorities, of course, are natural. If we live in this country, we live under the authority of the Constitution, the laws of this land, the state, and our community. We also live under authorities that we ourselves have chosen. I chose to be married And I live under the vows of marriage. I have chosen to be Christian, so I live under the authority of baptism. And just think of the many people that have impact on our common life, the role models that influence us. Think about the major authority of advertising and its influence on how individuals live their lives. Try perusing a magazine sometime and see what you find. Last week, I was thumbing through a new magazine only to, to discover that one ad said, quote, Who's in charge? Individuals and groups that guide our destiny. End quote. And another one advertising a fancy new spa which read, quote, take a deep breath and affirm out loud, I am divine. <laughs> and even more frightening, some lives are turned over to addiction, drugs, nicotine, alcohol. <clears throat> this short gospel passage, I think, calls us to take a serious look and under what authorities we live? First, what authorities rule my life? Is it money? Money is a powerful authority in the lives of many Americans. Is it family? Is it my job? Is it my boss? Think about them. Make a list, and then try to prioritize them. What's the highest authority? On the list? Is there anything on my list that makes me uncomfortable? Second, how do we use our authority with others? If the authority of the one we follow is meant for the building up of the kingdom of God, then do we use our influence to control people, to frighten people, or do we use it to affirm and help others? to help raise people up when they're down, lost, or weak? Do we use our authority to bind this community together or to tear it down? And third, what does it mean, or what might it mean, when every time we affirm our baptismal vows, we are asked, Do you turn to Jesus Christ? and accept him as your savior, as the primary authority in your life? And we respond, we do. Ouch. We Episcopalians aren't usually very comfortable with some language that we ascribe more to the fundamental persuasions. But we respond... We do. We do accept Jesus as our Savior. And if so, then, the question is, how do we make that happen? Well, we have a choice. It's up to each one of us to decide whether we do or do not accept that authority. We have said we do again and again and again in our lives, and we'll probably continue to say it for a long time. Next, we become an active part of a faith community because our spiritual journey is more than just God and me. We're here to support each other. Critical to our faith journey is that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in communion with God and with one another. Whenever we come here together through hearing the Old and New Testament readings and singing ancient hymns through prayer and, of course, in and through the Eucharist, we are reminded of who we are, the ways in which we have come to know and experience the presence of God in ages past, and thereby we get a sense of God's authority spoken through these many manifestations. You see, even though we individually make the decision to accept Jesus as the primary authority in our life, the spiritual journey to make that authority real is a common journey. The first century world... It was a pretty scary place, filled with powers and forces that people couldn't understand. Foreign occupation, political oppression, economic impoverishment, and spiritual confusion. They were desperate for a sign from God. And in Jesus' words and actions, they found the manifestation of God's hope. Today's world, my friends, is much the same. So many people are still homeless and hungry, oppressed and depressed, hurt, sad, and suffering. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The authority of Jesus' words and life isn't in intellectually reasoned arguments or cool-headed debates. It's in his passion and his lived ministry. Jesus is not a concept. He's a person, the Son of God, the one we confess and try to follow. So, my friends, when we are driven by love in any way, we are driven by Christ So, what are we doing to practice the good news? What is our teaching for this world? When we love not only with words, but also with action and truth, then people just might see hope through us. The core of Jesus' message remains the same there is hope, there is comfort. There is God's salvation for us. There is God with us and among us in this world. And we are invited and called to participate in that authority. Amen.